British Strongman Podcast. So tonight we're going to talk about our resource topic. So we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about, Shane. We're talk about load and carry events. We'll, we'll, we'll try and stay to your, your bog standard sandbag and uh, and keg, but we might end up on a fucking tangent about something else. But we're basically trying to just build some podcasts that we can because we get asked questions all the time, don't we? About events and people send you a message like can you help me in my sandbag load and we, i could sit there and reply for 40 minutes if uh, you know if i wanted to and there's i don't think people get much value out of three or four sentences so you know we're just going to try and get all these topics done so that you guys can apply because the thing is when, when, you, when you're teaching yourself you can uh, learn bad habits can't you josh and uh, end up inefficient and, and struggling with stuff so We'll talk about sandbags to start. So what's your preferred way, Josh, to, to pick a sandbag up? Because I know that some people like to push the sandbag forward so it's kind of lengthways and, and pick it up that way, and others like to pick it up to the side. What's your opinion on that? Well, I don't know if you're trying to trip me up, but the answer is, like it always is, it depends. So, um, yeah, it definitely depends on the... Obviously, the the style of the implement, like, what is it? Is it like, um, is it quite hard and densely packed? Is the sandbag floating all over the place? Whatever, um, like, how heavy is it? Is it is it like quite easy for you to 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 quite yank and pick up into position, or do you have to like lift it up like a heavy object, uh, like you would pick up an apple stone? Um, is the medley, is it like a 10 meter sprint for object moderate weight? Or is it like a, a 20 meter carry that a really heavy object, like these are all questions that it, it, it really kind of depends on that we'll go into further depth with. So yeah, that's why I say when people ask me, can you help me with my sandbag? Those, all those things you've listed, we need, we need to know that before you can even, because yeah, like we've said on previous episodes, there's, a couple of ways to tackle, you know, the sandbag or, or, or any of them. And it depends on how hard it is for you and how the sandbag itself actually is. Like you say, if it's densely packed or fucking flopping around everywhere, you sometimes got to approach them a little different, haven't you? Yeah. So um, what would recommend is definitely a bit like, unless you're peeking for a comp specifically, if you just, generally building of which by the way in my programming i'm a massive fan of um in terms of just doing in the weekly structure say for instance like the guys who um the, the guys who follow the strongman program at the gym for instance this week i think front carries was like a little warm-up on thursday session it was something like um uh use a different implement to usual We'll do 10 meter sprint, 30 seconds rest in between, 10 rounds, light to moderate object, use as a warm up, skill focus, something like that. Um, so like one of the one of the ladies in the gym or said, Oh, what should I use? What should I use? Um, I used a D ball last week and I said, Look, literally anything. Like it can be a stack of plates, it could be one of the monster dumbbells, it could be a keg, it could be the Husafel, it could be a stone, yeah, like the, the all, it could be one of the tires. It, it literally could be anything. So um, so what I would say, well, well um, you're kind of doing your general programming, 
is actually get get skilled at um, moving with different kind of objects. I know we were you asked about sandbags specifically, but but get moved at, get sorry get skilled at moving with uh, with different different objects. So then when something co- like a three object medley comes into a comp and it's a keg, a Husafel, and a eight kilo tire, like you're thinking fucking hell, this is um, kaching. I've already got a base on these. I know that if the tire's anything like mine, I'm just going to shoulder it. I know um, the keg's uh, 80 kilos. I can manage 100 kilos at my gym with like a one motion kind of technique into the kind of like rack position before I move with it or whatever. Like you, you can kind of learn all these things rather than entering a comp that's f- you're five weeks out from and thinking, fuck me, uh, oh, what do I do with a, how do I carry a 120 kilo keg? Like, what's the best technique? Do I do opposites? Do I do, like, do I hold it high on my chest? Do I wear a belt? Do I not wear a belt? You, you kind of already got got all these things answered and you just like kind of peak in the, that skill, if you will. Um, so back to your original question, Shane, I haven't fucking answered it, have I? Not really. <laughs> oh, what, what, what do you think, mate? What do you think? Well, I was going to just think more. Well, in my head, when I picture a sandbag nowadays, most of the sandbags I see online are the Cerberus strength ones. Yeah. Um, or a strength shot one. So when I picture somebody in a sandbag, I usually picture those Cerberus ones, which you can, unless they're like, and you've got some light ones. Can you pack the light ones tightly or are they, are they a bit loose? Yeah, no, the... the the designed for a certain weight, aren't they? Like, by the way, credit to Cerberus that Shane hates because the country says, but like credit to the sandbags. Like, uh, I was gonna gonna finish off today with a product review actually of um, uh, something else, but actually we're getting, we're getting two product reviews here, right? I think this the Cerberus sandbags are absolutely brilliant, and I've got the got the old um, black ones that kind of flop flop everywhere, and you kind of pick the weight which are obviously useful, but practically they don't get used because they feel dead awkward and stuff. Um, but the red ones are, are, are absolutely superb. So I've got like, a, I think a 45, a 60, an 80, a 100 and a 120. So you just fill it up and it's pretty much um, that weight. So it, so it always feels good and densely packed. Um, they're really good and I haven't had any leaked. Mine get used all the time. They're fucking they're throwing sandbags are- good as well I can't yeah the throw the throwing sandbags are absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant um they're expensive I think they're the hundred quid ish but they're um hundred quid a bag yeah fucking hell yeah fucking really expensive but but they are worth they are worth it the I just think think of personally how good how much better I've got at the throwing like recently think how many times your bags have been from oh yeah fucking hell like i've done hundreds of throws in the last couple of weeks whereas if you like you know like say going to a gym you know like say you could go to like tsg at sheffield that's really got a really good setup for throwing um you i think or they used to i don't know if they had hicks's thing and he's got it back but but anyway you can go and throw kegs there um which is great but it's a bit of a novelty isn't it you're not going to be able to do that two or three times a week Whereas like me being fucking, I was shit at it in my last comp. So I've been able to practice that throwing four times a week since, and I'm getting significantly better at it. Um, 
because we can do it indoors, you could do it outdoors. They, they, they're just brilliant. I've like dropped one of these sandbags on my head and that, and it doesn't kill you. It hurts, but with a keg, you're gonna fucking KO yourself, aren't you? Basically, or a kettlebell. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think think they're great. By the way, um, anyway, we're off. off yeah, what, what I'll say is on sandbags, unless it's if you've got a comp coming up. And you, like, I'm just using like a fucking, I don't know, a 90 kilo ladder as an example, but say you've got 120 in your comp and you've never done a sandbag before, you might be thinking to yourself, I need to get a sandbag that is 120 kilo. And um, I think that much like we've spoke about before with, with Atlas Stones, you know, going like 20% lighter than comp weight, uh, obviously, you don't want to get too far away from it, but easily training a 90, 90 to 100 kilo sandbag will help you um, more than getting a 120 and picking it up and it feeling like shit because you can't really play with your hand position. You can't figure out where you need to grip and you can't figure out where you need to place it even when it's too heavy to learn. It's like trying to learn to deadlift on your first deadlift session at like 150. You just You just don't do that. So I would say to... If you think to yourself, right, I need a sandbag, I've got a comp coming up with it, get one lighter than than uh, what you think you'll be able to do. If you think you'll be able to run with a, a 110 sandbag, get like a 90 to start with so that you've got room to... Because unless... They, can, can you can you overfill them Cerberus bags, Josh? Or if you buy a 91, do you have to go buy a... No, the, yeah, you'd probably buy, buy yeah, separate ones. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty much bang on. But right, yeah, yeah, I, I come... But this is a fantastic point that you're making there. So say, for instance, you, you're training for a 120 at a comp, like you're going to get, most of us are going to get more value. Like if I was training for a 120 at a comp and it was like eight weeks out, like my kind of approach, my kind of specific approach, I'd be wanting to train in it at least three times a week at like varying intensities and stuff, of which like some people think that that's fucking crazy or whatever but if you watch where where i'd i'd recommend to do most of my volume it probably with the 60 and the 80 and i'd maybe do my heavy sets with the 100 prepping for a 120 or something like that and then as it gets closer to the comp get my hands on a 120 somewhere or whatever um so what i what what i would recommend is doing that like obviously if you have the luxury of training with a few different sandbags. I, I think for the guy training for a 110 sandbag medley or 120 sandbag medley, I think the 80 is just going to be, you're going to be able to go to an 80 and like feel like shit, motivation's low, you can't be asked. you've got a load of other shit to do, but you're going to be able to sling 80 up without much of a warm-up, do some front carry sprints, you're going to be able to do, or you might put it in for endurance as a finisher or something at the end of your session. And it isn't going to be an ordeal. Whereas sometimes with a hundred kilos, even just fucking moving it around like a hundred kilos feels like the world, if you will. And it kind of, for me, like I have to be really, really switched on to get to move, to do a hundred kilos. And when I do hundred kilos feels really light, but you're not in that zone all the time or, or we shouldn't be in that zone all the time. Like a lot of the time we're training and we should be chilled out. You can get a lot of value doing quick pickups with the 60, trying a one motion pickup, trying 
uh, lap and load really quickly, try and pop it up and catch it and then take your first step. Like you can try all this, all this skill stuff with 60 to 80 kilos. So yeah, I agree with you, Shane. I'm, I'm thinking there's a lot of value in lighter sandbags. Um, and something else that I would say is um, if you don't have the space to move, <laughs> Like uh, some people that I train have to go outside to, uh, you know, do 10, 15, 20 meter runs. But it's often something that at first they'll write, I'll skip this because it's raining or, you know, whatever. Because the thing is, I understand it because you take sandbag outside in the rain, it's just going to get, it's going to get soaked in it. It's going to get, you just can't really do it. And obviously at this time of year, well, whether anyway, it's just shite. But at this time of year, it's going to get more common that, you know, by the time you train and if you train after work, it's six o'clock, it's dark it's cold. You just don't really want to do it. So don't underestimate the value of doing something like a, an EMOM where you just lap and do an extension, or maybe you lap it and march on the spot. Look, Cause that teaches you where to place the the sandbag on your, um, on your belly. Uh, so that, cause what you want to do when you, when you're trying to front carry a sandbag is you want to try and sit some of the load on your frame. Uh, you don't want to hold it all through your arms. So you don't have to move to kind of learn that position. You can stay on the spot and just do like a little march or even just an emon where you lap it and extend and hold for a couple of seconds and think to yourself, right, yeah, I've got it here. Put it down, do the next rep. So you don't necessarily need to have the space either to get a good training benefit out of it. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with this, Shane. Um, I was doing this in lockdown um, as a practical thing, and people were messaging me on Instagram, thought I was fucking taking the piss. But but really, like, think, a lot, yeah, th think of it as a scenario, right? When, um, like you've just said, it's raining outside, you have to take your sandbag outside to do your fifth, 10 meter run or whatever. Like, it's a lot of effort, and you can get piss wet through or whatever. Like, if you if you know, if you're training your medley and you know that it's going to be like, I don't know, say it's going to take 45 seconds medley of where you're going to be doing, basically you're going to be doing, I don't know, ten, say ten, twelve seconds, I don't know, say 15 seconds marching with the object, 10 seconds sprint without the object, 15 seconds marching, so something like that. You know how long roughly it's going to work for from like maybe one of the medleys that you've done outside. So just just work for that time frame and work out how many steps that's going to take, and uh, and just work for that same amount of time on your steps and um, and you and you're going to get the conditioning carryover. the the only The only thing that's going to be different is you're not getting used to that full that forward lean or whatever, um, and using the the kind of implement to 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 kind of carry you, carry you forward, but you're going to be able to get that. Do you, do you still forward lean when you run with the sandbag? Oh, fucking right, yeah. So how do you, because I don't do that. Um, so how do you do it? Do, do you have the sandbag sideways with your arms over the sandbag, like you're going to load a stone, and it's kind of sat on your, I don't know, like belt slash stomach area. Is that how you do it? Well, just whatever the, whatever the object, Shane, like just have it so I feel like it's pulling me forward like if if I didn't take steps to catch myself 
add, th this is a key for people to think of, right? Whatever object you're holding in front of you, have it in a position where if you stopped moving, if you, if you stopped moving and you would just stand and you just stood there still really balanced, you're, uh, you're wasting, you're wasting the potential momentum that you could be using from the object. So you're going to find that point instead of being perfectly balanced, you should almost feel like you're, like you stop, you're stepping out, not only to step out and cover the distance, but actually to stop yourself falling each time. And as you get more, more practice with this, you're going to, you're going to be able to find that, that balance point of fucking hell. Yeah. I can feel that I'm actually using the, the object to, to pull me forward and give me momentum. So that's, for me, that's regardless of implement you can do that with. And obviously, okay. and, and obviously you've got to practice because you've got to think if you do, oh yeah, forward lean <clears> on a carry, if you go too far, it's just gonna fall off. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so you've got to find uh -huh. that so subtle, it might be a couple of degrees, but it's gonna give you free gains, honestly. Um, so things that you can use to to kind of minimize sorry, maximize this forward lean regardless of object. So obviously if you're a big like say guy over 105, 110, 120 or whatever, most of you, or say a lot of you are gonna have like some kind of mass that you can use on your torso where you can kind of rest the implement. Um, lighter guys and girls, you can probably get some kind, well, most of us will be able to get a, a kind of uh, belt set up where you can kind of use as a bit of a cheat shelf almost. And uh, think of it less like a shelf that you're trying to put something on, but actually you, you're just trying to get the object high on your torso and the belt's actually just there for friction and like stopping it sliding down almost. So it's not like a, not like a shelf as such. It's more like a kind of break or friction mechanism that's stopping the object slide down. Um, so a little tip on belt position on that. So belt position probably wouldn't be like you'd wear for your deadlift. It would probably be like a, a little bit lower. Think of your belt, think of like your powerlifting belt or your buckle belt or whatever you use, your SBD belt. Less like um, something they're using for stability benefit uh, and more actually for the, the kind of mechanism of what it is by um, just wearing it low, like almost like I recommend to people I teach like almost like around the the hip bones on most people rather than around the torso so um so then you're not relying on having to get the object super super high into like a unnatural position if you will uh, yeah. does that make sense Shane yeah and then, yeah. And then another little tip to for people who think like find it nips like get one of these um underbelts that like a lot of people that I teach wear um, you can get them from Strength Shop that are pretty good. They're about 40 quid. Um, they're really good. I recommend them. Um, or you can get RDX ones. I think they're called Lumber Supports if you search on eBay. And they're like 16.99. They're an absolute bargain. So you can get a little bit of stability out of them, a little bit of tension for your moving events and loading events and stuff. But you can crank your belt on pretty tight on top of that. So you can use that for axle cleans, belt uh, log cleans, loading events, stone or whatever, and it just stops that nipping straight away. So when so say let's say um someone was and stuff like grip top, grip tops as well can be useful to just add that little bit of friction. Sorry Shane, go on. So, so let's say someone's someone's going to the first sandbag, right? And it's sat there, 
stood up vertical and they've never touched a sandbag before and they've got to go in five minutes and they ask you how they should do it, what would your cue be to pick it up? Because like I said before about, I get asked all the time, should I push it forward and lift it vertically or should I push it to the side and grab it at the side? If you had to just, I know you say it's different on the implement, etc. but if somebody was just about to do it then, what would be your, what would you say is the most common way to, to do it? Well, I, I would say like if you're if you're doing obviously I'm fucking sitting on the fence here, but like if you're doing it if you're doing it at a comp and you're doing it for the first time, it's just fucking stupid. Like go and trade, go and use an implement somewhere or yeah, I'm just trying to make you give me an answer here. Right, um, even at, even at a comp, I'd say to, I'd say to someone, right, push in, be a prick, go and um, don't worry about being fatigued and tired out. Go and pick it up, pick one up from the side, pick one up from the front. Uh, check with the organizer. Are you allowed to? Do you have to have it start with it stood up? This is a this is a massive thing. Like, do you have to start with it stood up, or can you push it forward and get like your hand holes ready? Because that that affects it massively. Um, so I would say do do one rep or a couple of reps pushing to the side and loading up, which personally I find works really well for the bigger bag. So I'm saying for us guys, me and you as a ninety-ish or whatever, if we're doing a one twenty. I think that that's going to be the best way of picking which it up. Which way, sorry? Pushing it which way? Like like, like pushing it to the side. Okay. Like yeah. lengthways, you know, like say if you watch... Um, and like you kind say, of grab it like a big, like a, like you're going around a big Atlas stone and... Yeah, well, if, you, if, you, if everybody pitches like World's Strongest Man, like they'll do like say the 140, 150 sandbags, how they'll, like you think of the shape of those, how those guys carry that. So it's like they'll pick it, pick it up lengthways, lift it up, arms over the top, and they'll get it on a nice, nice shelf. And because simple, you try and do the push it forward and bear hug technique. And, and it's actually can actually be too big. You know, if it like, you think I'm, I'm the opposite. I don't, probably it's probably because I've got short ass legs. But for yeah. me, when I push, it only, it only happens around the 120 area. Right. If I push a 120 sandbag to the side. Yeah. I feel like I'm stood too wide. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I feel like I have to be stood in front of the, well, the, the, the you know, behind the sandbag, or else I'm in some like max sumo stance. So yeah. that's why I've I've really struggled with that technique over the years, because I can do it fine, but then once that sandbag starts getting big, yeah, well, you know, the forward one. And th and this is why people have to try and people have to experiment and play. Um, because for me, like I, I picture that and I'm like really comfortable in that kind of pretty wide sumo stance. And I feel really strong in that kind of sumo flex spine position. Um, and I feel feel really strong in that position. Um, the pickups pickups never a problem. And the, and I can I can get it into a kind of a good position here where I can run freely with the, the legs, if you will. Whereas if I if I do it the like push it forward and lift it up and try and move with that my legs kind of get knocked into the sandbag yeah um, i much prefer the carry when it's sideways because like you say your legs are free yeah but i always just struggle because <laughs> i feel like i get to this point where i'm just like it's just a tiny bit too wide and i feel like i can't generate any force it's weird um so then i i used i adopted that push forward technique and i uh actually got quite good at because the only problem of that is when you push it forward when you bear hug it 
you, you tend to bend the sandbag. Yeah. So if you bend it too high, um, you end up with all the weight at the bottom. Yeah. And then you, you're fucked. You can't really bend it too low, I don't think. It just makes it a bit heavier to pick up. But if you're strong enough, you can get it up. And it's actually better to do it that way because then once you're stood up, all the weight's kind of up above your shoulders and your legs are a bit freer. Um, yeah. But it's really hard to get right in the moment when you're like, if it's a medley that you're like, everyone's a couple of seconds apart. Um, that's actually why I lost England's that year because I, uh, I'd i done it a hundred times in training and I pushed the sandbag forward, went to pick it up and all the weight was at the bottom of the sandbag and not at the top. It wasn't even even. And I just, I, I knew I couldn't run with it. So I just dropped it and repicked it but again it, it's a much more risky technique i think that i think you i think it's a much safer option to go um to the side if you can personally yeah so scenario if the scenario is um you don't have to you do a lot of comps and you you don't have to start start with the sandbag stood up you can start with the sandbag however you like so what's the i haven't competed for ages what's the general rule usually can you do what you want <laughs> I haven't noticed any consistency with it, to be honest, mate. Okay, it's just whoever's um, running. Yeah, right. I think it, it, it really depends. Some 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 are like yeah, keep it stood up or whatever. So if if you have to if you have to have it stood up, what I would recommend is getting like decide which way you're gonna twist to the side or whether you're gonna push forward. If you're gonna twist to the side and pick up, um then I would recommend get like say for me, I'm picturing I'm grab it, grab it on the left side, and then I grab my right hand under the under the um, underneath, um, so what what you can do, even with it stood up, you can make like a little handhold that's easier to grab, if you will. So yeah. then, when you go, you can uh, make sure you can grab that grab that handhold to help you. Um, I think as well, you've got to be. Do you agree that you've got to be quite aggressive with the pickup, haven't you? And making that handhold, like you can't be trying to like fiddle it off the ground. You've got to like just keep fucking ripping it until your hand makes a dent boom get your grip and up you yeah. can't be gentle with it at all i think yeah and another thing like on that topic that um again how your technique like we've talked about in depth like how your technique will change and not be consistent depending on the load is like say for instance like you and if we're picking up say me <laughs> Me and you, Shane, we're picking up a 140. I think with a 140 or 120 to 140, I think you will be, well, personally me, um, I'd be taking a little bit more time with that and making sure that my I get a good, a really good grip on it and make sure that my arms are long. I don't want to be bicepping that. Um, I'll keep my arms long and my tricep extended or whatever. So I'm, kind of making it like a sumo deadlift, if you will, or like you're lapping a heavy stone. So not bicep or whatever, because I don't want to strain yeah. biceps and stuff. Um, and then just embrace it. It's going to be quite quite tough to lap or whatever. Whereas if I took that kind of protect the bicep approach with like, we were doing like a medley that it was 80, 80, 100 or something, and it was a speed one, like speed focus medley. And I was thinking, right, perfectly long arms and a lap it and like you're wasting seconds there. Like with people at similar strength to us, Shane, 
80 to 100 kilos, like you can almost just like, it's kind of against kind of what I've said in the past really. But I say, I'd say with an 80 for me and you, you've just got to fucking rip the cunt and just fucking don't, don't even feel for the handholds, just fucking snatch it. Bit of a yeah, f- just squeeze bit, the sides and fucking. Yeah, bit, bit, bit of, you actually use the biceps to pop it up. Yeah, like, because it shouldn't be a stress on them really, should it? Uh, that load anyway. Because at the end of the day, if you want to replicate it in terms of an exercise, it's kind of like a neutral grip row almost. You know, you're just picking it up and rowing it in and just fucking running. So obviously with a 140, you want to be a bit <laughs> a bit gentle. But um, I, suppose, I suppose what I'm saying, right, if it was an 80 kilo, right, and there was a and we were doing a 10 yard sprint and it was me versus you and one of us we were we we just done some heavy 120s and we were practicing on protecting our biceps and using a back, using our back and hamstrings whatever and taking our time with the pickup no rush or whatever and we were using that technique with the 80 like the person who would just just fuck that off completely and just think, right, I'm just going to fucking bicep curl it and I'm just going to rag it. I'm not going to feel for any handholds. I'm just going to fucking trust my finger strength to to get a good enough grip on the bag, pick it up and pop it off in position. That person's going to be faster than the person doing it with in like with good technique. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Um, and another thing that that leads on to is, one of the most common things people uh, say to me is, um, oh, uh, can't I just put it on my shoulder? Because they, uh, obviously, as they're front carrying it, they're feeling all this uh, stress through the whole body and the hamstrings, and they just think, why can't I just pop it on my shoulder? And I, my answer to that is, you can, you know, if you want to. It's just that, it, again, it depends on the weight. If it's a heavy one, you're going to end up lapping it, sitting down in it, getting your hands set, flinging it on your shoulder. The guy next to you is already gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's one of those where there are ta- there, I think there's a time and a place for it, but I think majority of the time you're better off um, not shouldering it. Unless, unless like the platform height you're going to is really high or something and you know that you're going to expend a lot of energy at that end of the course, getting it on the platform. So you're going to spend a bit more time putting it on your shoulder so you can just throw it on. That kind of makes sense to me, but uh, there are not too many scenarios where I'd recommend it. So the scenario where I'd recommend it would be like, say, endurance carries. Like, say, for instance, you're doing like a like um, 60 seconds max distance sandbag carry and they don't state that you, it has to be a front carry and in in it's... you could, it doesn't say you can't shoulder it. Like most of us are going to cover more ground. Like, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to maybe take a couple of seconds longer to pick it up and get it into position whilst your your competition have already set off. But once it's in position, you're going to be able to move and cover more distance. Um, Yeah. You're going to be able to cover more distance efficiently. Um, I did it at England's, didn't I? Do you remember, Shane? I remember you doing something with the shoulder, but I couldn't remember if it was... Right. Uh... Well, this is, this is a perfect example scenario, right? I'll be brutally honest with the the um, the, the kind of 
the front the front carry setup. The front carry setup was it was meant to be 15 meters around a cone with a keg, um, and then you pick up the second object, which was a sandbag, 15 meter, and then go 15 meter around a cone and back. On the day, they changed it to one item, and um, and it was 40 meters, I think it was. So the 20 around a cone, 20. Yeah, around a cone at 20 or something like that. But we, it was a little, basically, it was a li- the scenario was, it was a little bit longer, um, but just one implement. So I decided on, on that, that if the event went ahead as usual, as, as normal, being honest, looking at my times and studying other people's times, I'd have probably been middle of the pile on that. I'd have probably been maybe 10, 12 out of the 23. Yeah. But because I had decided that there was a, it was just at that threshold where it was worth the risk for shouldering it. I think, no, I don't think anybody else, I think General might have done it actually. Yeah, fair, fair point to General actually, because he, he saw me do it in the warm up and he said, oh, How do you do that? And I just showed him how you pop it up. And then he went and copied it and did fucking well. I think he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Sounds like General. Um, but, but yeah, I decided that, that was, it was worth the risk there. And then I, I came second on that. And I came second and obviously gave me fucking brilliant points against a field of 23 on an event that really I was probably middle of the pile at. Um, but so I'd been rewarded there through my versatility because when I hadn't been doing the specific prep for England, when I was doing that fucking stupid, like the keg and sandbag keg medley all the time, like through my general phase, when I was like training in my garden during lockdown or whatever, like I was doing stuff where I was just, just light, where I was like popping stuff up to my shoulder. Uh, I was doing some days where I was like, say, doing a, doing a keg front carry when I was doing a pickup focus. I was doing some days when I was doing five meter sprints. So I got loads of pickup practice in any given time. I was doing some days where I was doing longer. So oh, all these different things you'll find, you'll find when you practice them, your technique will be subtly different. And, um, and you can only find these out yourself by, by practicing them. And, um, and just, just when you, instead of waiting for your, for your comp that's, that's laying out the specific rules to train for and that dictate your training. Like actually when you're, when you're away from training, like think of all these different scenarios that you can kind of build a basic, basic skill level. At. Because honestly, I'm not, I'm not particularly good at fucking throwing a sandbag to my shoulder or, and running with it on my shoulder. But because I've got a base level, like, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a le- I'm a level higher than most people just because I practiced it maybe three or four sessions randomly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember you uh, training for it, and some weeks you were shouldering it, and then the next week you were like, "I'm fucking the shouldering off. It's not feeling good." And then you do one good shoulder run, and you were like, "So I couldn't remember if you actually did it in the comp because I remember you umming and ahhing about it." But obviously, when they changed it on the day. Obviously, like I say, it paid off. Like I say, like I say, there are times and places for it. Like um, I did it because the, the the platforms that they used to use, because used to run England's at Salt Air near enough every year for like four years straight, England's under 90. And the platforms Ben had were like, they were pretty high. Um, they were They were high enough so that for me, if I ran in with a sandbag, 
I would need to re-sit down to get a proper full extension and pop it on, which which take, you know, I couldn't I couldn't run and extend while I'm running kind of thing and place on if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so I remember practicing shouldering for that event because I'd got so quick at shouldering that, and you get extra speed obviously on the run because you can just fucking, you can just fly. Yeah. I, I saved time by shouldering them. So, um, and I got, I got really good at that. And I actually feel even now, cause, cause the last time I practiced sandbag was just so much shouldering. If, if I look at one, my instant, like, my brain just says to me shoulder it i don't know why um even though i know that the uh, the side pickups um a little bit more efficient and quick i just think that shouldering once you once you master it it thinks yeah. really easy i think it's i don't know it's, yeah. it's nice but can i just interrupt with that right with the shouldering for you for you and i would say us is like it's this thing of playing to your strengths like i think it suits us more than it suits most people because i would say that we are more, we are faster and we are more explosive than, than quite a lot of people who might be stronger. Yeah. So if you're, you're yeah, like a, a guy who, who isn't very explosive and you, like say, for instance, you're not very, not really fast on moving events. You, you're actually stronger at going heavy. Like you prefer a really heavy yoke and really heavy farmers that, you know, you're always going to finish and you're going to do the same pace or whatever. Um, you might you might struggle with with you might find cleans like quite challenging or whatever, but you like really strong upper body, and really strong legs. You might actually find that that, that shouldering it's not not really, it's going to cost you. Going back to what you said, it's like say if you don't if you don't practice these things. So the whole kind of wrap up of this thing is with the sandbag technique is there's so many different ways to approach it. Yeah, and you got to just practice and find out what the hell just sits right in your brain because you just you just know don't you josh when, you, when you're doing a sandbag room yeah it feels all right if it feels like it's constantly falling and it's just at any moment going to drop and you feel like you're hanging off the cliff it, it, that shouldn't be how it feels when you're running with a sandbag you should be like looking at your line or whatever you're going to and running towards it and not really thinking about the fact the sandbag's about to fall. I mean, admittedly, when you come to the end of a medley and you're you fucked or whatever, maybe, maybe so, but that first sandbag, once it's up, if it's sat right, you should be locked in and just ready, ready to go. And whether that technique is holding it sideways, holding it vertical, uh, with your arms wrapped round and locked, or whether it's on your fucking shoulder or what, you just need to make sure that you're able to go as fast as you can without it fucking flying out yeah so if you're completely new to it and you're doing your first comp and you've never done front carries before i think the the bit the ease the simplest takeaway is basically you want to get that object regardless of what it is in a position on your torso that you can drive you can stride out and move your your legs freely independently if you feel like it's your legs are gonna knock into the object whatsoever like at all doesn't matter if it's fucking 20 kilo 8 kilos or 20 kilos if your knees knocking into a 20 kilo object every time you stride you're going to be 10 15 20 seconds into that and you're going to be a lot more fucked than you would be if you just take take a little bit more time getting the object strategically a little bit higher 
so you can move the, move those legs freely. Yeah, yeah. it fucks up all your proper reception as well because if something like that's happening, the only thing you're focusing on is that you're not thinking about anything else, and that just it just messes up your whole position and technique and foot stride and everything. I've done it before where <clears throat> before I was good at um, like positioning and stuff on on front carries. I can't remember what the fuck it was. I think it was some stupid keg or something that Dave Warner put in. So I think it was like max distance with a 150 keg. And um, I picked it up and it was far too low. And it was a big keg, like one of them, like you could fucking stuff a body in it style keg. And it was just like on my knees. <laughs> I remember walking like 35 meters with it. And I was out last as well. So I knew I had to get like, I was like, I have to get at least 50 meters here because like everybody got over 50 meters. And about 35 minutes, I was, I was fucked. I, I, I was just walking so slow. And all I was thinking about was the fact that I could take about a two centimeter step because this keg was like just in the way. And obviously looking back, if I'd have pulled it just a tiny bit higher and set myself for a second um, and just allowed my legs to run free, I'd have probably got... 50 meters and not even been anywhere near as tired as as 35 meters um just because of it just fucking mauling me basically yeah yeah so i think like um a little bit more advanced cue um is, is analyze the the kind of like analyze whether you're like how heavy it is for the given time frame that you're going to do. Like say, for instance, you're doing 60 seconds, for instance, and um, and you know that your upper body isn't strong enough to hold the object high. And um, and you know that if you hold it really high, that your arms, are, your biceps are just going to fatigue and then you're going to drop it at like 40, 45 seconds. Then what we've kind of got to do is like, say, try and get it as high as possible through like extending your upper back, keeping your arms long and, and actually not sacrificing a little bit of speed at first. Um, so you can, because you know that your arms aren't going to give and you're going to be able to plod along all the way through the 60 to 75 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if say for instance, it's a moderate weight, like say for instance, I don't know, say you're doing like say 90 kilos for, say Shane, you were doing 90 kilos for max distance, uh, sandbag or something. Like, you, you, don't, you don't get me doing that, Josh, I'd die. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, mean, but I mean, if you were doing 90 kilos for 60 seconds, right, your upper body would be strong enough to kind of hold it in a really good position that was, yeah. that was really easy to move with. So you could get that really, really high and your biceps would be kind of activated all the way through the 60 seconds, but you're, you're strong enough to hold that position and it's just going to make you be able to run with it better. Whereas if you tried to do that kind of mongy high elbow position with the 150 keg at England's, like you're not going to be able to achieve that. Like your, your biceps are going to give early on and then you're going to fail because of that. Yeah. yeah rather yeah. than being able to pl uh, plod along with it. So this is where you, where guys, you need to like analyze the, the kind of um, so what, what personally what I would do would be like say you've got a comp you've entered a comp and you're six weeks out and it's a three item medley and you've like you don't know you really don't know whether it's going to take you 
20 seconds or 50 seconds or whether you're going to be able to finish it or not, what I would do is go, go to a gym that you, where you can use the kit, travel or whatever, go and go and do, go and do like comp weight or as close as comp set up and weight as possible. And then that can dictate your kind of peaking program because you can think that, Oh, fucking hell, I'm going to be doing well to finish this within 60 seconds of which, you know, you can train that energy system um, where you might, go, you, you might go and do it and be in the zone and get it, get it done three items in 25 seconds. And the prep is going to be so much fucking different. Um, 20, like preparing for a 25 second medley to a 60 second medley. Um, yeah. I think it's worth noting as well. When, when we're saying, when we're saying about doing all this lighter work on the sandbags and stuff. Yeah. I, 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 we don't mean like solely do that. Obviously, like every couple of weeks, if you had a comp or whatever, try to tickle closer to the comp weight, um, just so you know, you know, if, if, if you can even pick it up, you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be acquiring the skill with the lighter weight and then you can put that into practice with the comp weight instead of trying to acquire the skill on the comp weight all the time. Yeah. I suppose what I'm saying is like, to say you're six weeks out from a comp peaking for this medley. What I'd be doing is once a week doing like a kind of max effort, max effort session where you go in maybe up near towards comp weight or comp set up for a set or two, and then use that, analyze the information from that to dictate your kind of lighter practice. So say for instance, you do that and you're like, fucking hell, I feel, I feel really fit. Um, I'm not getting tired. My biceps don't feel tired or whatever. Like I'm going to get the objects. I'm going. I need to get the objects high, but I'm. But like I fumbled the pickup and I had to reset it, and then um, and then I had to do my set again because I fucked the pickup up, even though it was easy. Like that straight away gives you information that you say right. You go on on your kind of sub maximal speed session. You're thinking right. I'm going to do something like say get the 60 kilo bag. And I'm going to practice like a, a, an EMOM as a, as a warm up where I'm going to go pick up. Sp- I'm going to do pick up, sprint five seconds, pick up, sprint five seconds, rest for 40 seconds, do that for eight, eight to 10 rounds or something. Yeah. And then you're going to do your eight to 10 rounds. Not only be good, going to be warmed up for your, whatever you're doing in that session, you're going to get to round six, seven, eight and think, fucking hell, I feel like a ninja on these pickups now. Like you're going to get better. Like people think with like front carries and stuff like that. The biggest thing that pisses me off is like people dread it. People dread it and think, oh, fucking hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll say oh, it's really hard to train. Well, no, it's only hard to train if you take the meathead mentality of, right, do comp weight and let's do a fucking death set. And that's that's what a lot of people do, isn't it? And they just fucking, <laughs> a lot of people just do a death set, and they're like, "Oh, fucking hell!" Like, "Oh, I can only do that once a, once a week or whatever." Yeah, you can only do that once a week because of how hard you're making it. Like, and it's this, it's the same fucking principle that we go on about all the time. It's like why people can't deadlift more than once a week. Well, yeah, it's because you're going too heavy for quite a lot of volume, so it's costing you loads re- from your recovery bank account. So actually, you can be a lot more smart, smarter in terms of, I suppose what I'm saying is there's a hell of a lot of skill to be acquired on front carries and um, on, on everything, but like front carries. That's Yeah, but what the point you made about breaking it down is 
Excellent. So, like I say, you do your practice, you do your first medley practice run, quick, quickly analyze what was the shittest part of it, and then you can break that down in your lighter sessions, reapply it in your next heavy run through session, see if it is, see if it has worked, to see if you got faster. You know, time like timing your sets as well, Josh. That's something people don't do, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. That's... So again, you don't know if you're improving. You know, you. you you don't want to just do a run for it and go, that was fast. And then six weeks later, retry it and go, well, that was also fast. You know, was it 25 seconds and then 23 seconds? Or was it 25 seconds and 27 seconds? They both feel fast. Um, you know, but you don't, you don't know what you're doing. So breaking it down, big mistake that I didn't didn't used to do is that when I, when I, when I used to be back doing this full time was that I just never broke stuff down. We set, we set the run through up and we'd run through it. And even though it's proper common sense, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm really bad at that sandbag. I hate that sandbag. I'd never think to pop it in the end of my deadlift session and do some skill work on it. Uh, because I think this is just the way the sport's going now. It's turned into an actual sport. Um, you know, the access to kits better. There's all these companies out there that sell stuff. So take advantage of that. You know what I mean? Get Treat yourself to a, to a fucking sandbag because... Like we say with them Cerberus ones, they'll they'll pretty much last. Oh, I'm not say forever, but a long time. You know they're a worthy investment, especially considering that front carries are going to be just as common as deadlifts. And everybody's quick to go, oh, what deadlift bar should I invest in? It's like, well, <clears throat> stick to your shitty stiff bar and buy a sandbag instead, and um, use it for skill work and your training, and you'll be a better all-round strongman than. The, the deadlift bar, I think it's a, a, I think something, something you need to take advantage of is being able to train it regularly and acquire skill. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that think that's great. And ju- just having a tangent there, yeah, like people people seem like obsessed, seem like people are keen to buy a deadlift bar and then spend a couple hundred quid. It fucking, <coughs> you rarely get to use a deadlift bar anyway in a comp. Yeah, I said that to all my guys. They, they right. asked me, what deadlift bar should I buy? And I'm like, just get, get like you don't need to buy one. Bar, get a wank bar. So you're usually using a fucking wank bar at a comp, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, unless you go in for like a world record deadlift and you want to be crazy specific, then I, I mean, yeah, go for it. But if you want to be better at strongman and you want, and this is the thing, if you've got the money to blow, yeah, fucking buy one, whatever. Buy, buy them and loads of sandbags. But if, if you're thinking, I've got three or 400 quid here to invest in my strongman training. Do do not buy a deadlift bar. <laughs> like it's that's the worst investment you, you can make because it's getting good at the one lift that you probably do every week anyway, and then you might not even be able to use it in competition anyway. And then you'll be one of those guys that's like, oh, it's a fucking stiff bar. Why is there no deadlift bar? And then you you get ten reps less than what you expect because you're only specifically trained on that. So like I say buy a like we've said before. We've said to people buy a shitty little stone. 50p a kilo, great investment. Don't cost them near as much as deadlift bar. Buy a sandbag, and those two things there will cost you half the amount of money as a deadlift bar, and it'll make you much better at strongman. Yeah, definitely. And and um, so, like the guys that guys that tra- train at my train at my gym, um, similarish strength to me. Whatever, we're all competing. Blah 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 blah. We've got the 120, the 100, the 80, the 60, the 45 sandbags. The one that gets the one that's worn the most, like in terms of um, 
like the the material looks the one that's most used is is the 80 um so some people might think in the head oh fucking l80 kilos is a bit too light it's just going to win the the lighter it is the more the more practice you're going to be able to do and the more and the and the less it's going to take from that recovery bank account um a lot of people see that see the kind of stuff see see how i train or whatever and think i'm fucking mad in terms of how much volume i do and that but actually if you study the volume that i do a lot of the volume is really really light and it's just nothing to recover from a lot of the work that i do and a lot of it is skill acquisition well, luke, luke richardson does the heart shock every week with a 100 kilo bag um you know he's world's athlete and, and it's, that's a 100 kilo bag and that's what i mean like most some people will under 90 athletes will try and train that for volume and i think yeah it's good for a comp prep um yeah you're wanting to put multiple runs and sets and, in. and just be, be being realistic with it right you come and train you go and train on a thursday night and you've been at work all day and you've got fucking log to do you've got whatever and you've got an hour and a half you want to get home to you fucking your bird and you bit like you're not going to want to go and lift that fucking hundred kilo sandbag like a lot of the time, but if there's a 60 or an 80 that you can just no warm up, you're not hundred kilo sandbag. I'm thinking, fuck me, right? Well, I'll put my knee sleeves on and then change my footwear. And then I'll wear my soft belt. Should I wear two, should I wear two belts? Should I wear four belts? Should I wear eight belts? Whatever. Like I'm thinking all this stuff. Whereas if it's 60 or an 80, I'm just thinking, fucking hell, I can't really be asked with this, but I'm going to get eight minutes in the next 10 minutes. I'm going to get in quite a bit of solid you work. You can just do it. Whenever, just, can't you? Exactly, just grab it and go and go and crack on. And that's the idea with it that you need to remember, guys. Is uh, if if you can't do it when you feel like fucking shite, yeah, then you're probably going to skip it a lot of weeks of the year, which which adds up to you get two weeks on the trot of skipping it. You just think, oh fuck it. Then you've gone two months without doing it, you know. Whereas if you've got a lighter one there that you can just drill. Extra yeah. two months of doing it weekly, you, you'll be fucking loads better. I I got loads better at, during lockdown. I I got better uh, loads better at the keg keg front carries, and I did endurance. I did speed. I did march on the spot. All all kinds of shit. And I had the option between a seventy nine kilo keg and a sixty three kilo keg, and I couldn't. Every time I looked at him, I, I thought, Oh fucking hell, I'm going to do keg here. I just couldn't be asked. And I didn't do, so I didn't even touch the 79 keg. But because I had the 63 keg, I trained it like twice a week. One, one, like one day it'd be six or seven minutes where it'd be like sprints with it, like 20 second rest in between sets, 10 meter sprints, working on footwork. And then the other, the other day I put it as a finisher as like an endurance carry where I'd be doing maybe two sets of a hundred meters or something at the end of a session. And Oh my goodness! I just feel I felt so much benefit like from it. I feel like j- just just so much more confident with it and the and the skill of it. So in terms of biasing your own training, like just be be brutally honest with yourself. Like, do you need to work on your endurance? Are you are you getting to that? Does it feel light as fuck? But then you get into forty five seconds and then feeling like you you've been shot or your your hamstrings have are just empty. Like, if so pick something lighter and do something like three sets of 60 seconds or something, or just a little bit more distance 
to the point where your kind of sticking point comes in or whatever. Like yeah, rest time control as well. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do your set and need 12 minutes to stand up off the floor, do you? So um, exactly. taking control and ownership of a bit of rest on these events, even though you're training a keg or whatever, you know, when you come and pick up a sandbag again or whatever the fuck it is, or Husafel, you've, you've trained that energy system. And also people underestimate the mental side of it. Like oh, yeah, definitely. The, the grit of getting to 40 seconds and carrying on going. And sometimes people stop when they don't, they think they have to stop. They're convinced their body needed to stop, but they didn't. They just have never really felt that before. Yeah. It got, goes back to, um, do you remember having Narumu on the, on the podcast and he was saying about prepping for that world's medley and he was saying it was easy because he'd been just doing like a fucking 12 minute, um, 12 minute AMRAP of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people think, Oh, fucking hell. Like, well, it's um, 60 seconds at the comp. So I'm not going to get any value of uh, only need to be training like 40 seconds or 45 seconds or eventually getting up to 60 seconds. Actually, like the 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 me- like how mentally strong he and confident he was for for that medley because he'd been it oh it's only ninety seconds or whatever or whatever it was uh, I can do this. I think he did it in about thirty seconds, didn't he? So yeah, he, exactly. he just walked off, wasn't even out of breath. Yeah, that that that's like um, to be honest, that's what I was. I, I did uh, went to a CrossFit class again last night, and we did like um, whatever it was, wall balls and. Uh, some squat cleans or whatever to AMRAP within five minutes. And I was just thinking to myself, I was thinking I was just getting into that mindset of what I'd be doing if I was doing like a max distance carry. Because at the end of the day, I'm using CrossFit to be a better fucking strongman athlete. Like, and I'm just thinking like there's so many people at home who will be like watching on Instagram thinking, oh, fucking hell, CrossFit's gay or... Oh, no, I shouldn't say that actually. CrossFit's not not good or CrossFit's whatever. CrossFit's this, CrossFit's that. Like just I, I was just taking what, what I what I could from it and um and be thinking five minutes, men, just mental, all out work. And and really it was fucking hard at the I wanted to stop at a minute and a half, two minutes, because that's kind of what I'm conditioned to do with strongman training. But then I didn't significantly slow off for the next three minutes. I could keep going that that same pace. So it was all about like getting into learning that that kind of mental side that you can fucking just keep going. Like your yeah. body, your body, even though your mind thinks that your body's going to give up, like your body doesn't give up. Like a lot of good CrossFitters I spoke to it must be like a common CrossFit like technique they use in the brain is where you know when you get you know when you see them they're they're doing the wads and they get to that point where they're in this rhythm and then they just stop and step back and take that first like breath and they all say when you get to that point you'll start thinking a lot of things like i need a drink i need to sit down i need to rest i'll take i'll take a minute or whatever and they all say just tell yourself you're gonna count to three and do, do another rep and um they just go one two three and then they do another rep and it just switches off all those because i remember because i used when i had the old msc i used to do a little bit of crossfit here and there because just all the crossfitters were always doing mad wads and shit and i'd be like oh fuck it, i'll jump in on this one 
and um, yeah, it really worked for me that because my brain, when I get tired, I don't like it. I'm not used to it. And my brain starts being like, come on, mate, you're a fat, strong man. Stop doing this, yada, yada. And I just go one, two, three, rep, one, two, three, rep. And I'll keep that same rhythm then. So then I get into a new rhythm, slower, but it's like consistent and plodding through. And um, then you realize when you, when you go another five minutes deep, you're like, oh, fucking hell, I was going to give up five minutes ago. And I've done fucking yeah. 100 more reps. And then the next time you do it, you've got this expectation of, well, I can get this far now. So your brain doesn't start playing those trips in. And that's what you get with strongman when you do these front carries in training is if you die at 45 seconds, but you carry on pushing and you get through, you then build up this expectation of, oh, I can go longer than that. And then it doesn't become such a mental battle, I don't think. If you do it weekly anyway, and you train for your distance and your times and you control your rest and everything. And I think it's a very trainable event that you can get really good at if you just do it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and like <clears throat> the, the other thing at first, when you get into it, like doing, doing these kind of longer sets and stuff and your legs feel like jelly, it is uncomfortable. And you feel like, oh shit, like, oh my goodness, my legs are going to be sore tomorrow, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, you just get so used to it. Like even, even so much as like, I reckon after three or four weeks training it once to twice a week, like most people are going to feel like, they're still going to feel like they're fucked at 45 seconds mark or whatever. But that feeling of where you feel like you're going to die when you reach the end point, like, that last instead of lasting five minutes, it, last, it might last twenty seconds, and then you think, "Shit, that was tough." But another thirty seconds rest, and I'm going to be able to do that again. And you when you feel you like that, DT, say again, you ever done DT? What's that? Was, all right, after I did DT on an axle once, I've got I've got it saved in my notes. Actually, my timer. I remember doing it. I have to dig it out and give it to try and beat. It's seven. It, I, it's in a bar they do it, but I did an axle, 70 kilo axle. I think it's 12 deadlifts, eight cleans, six floor to overhead. They're not floor to overhead, shoulder to overhead. So you can power jerk or whatever. Um, and it's like three or five rounds or something. It's like a, a quick one, but it's, um, it's about five minutes, I think it takes. But I remember doing that on an axle. Um, and I had the worst forearm pump I've had in my life. <laughs> it was like the most unexpected thing. I remember I couldn't close my hands after. I was like, what the fuck have I done? But that was a good one I did. Cool. So you got anything to, anything else to add on the front carries? Like, in wrap-up, I would just say... Yeah, I don't really. I think we've, we've, we've covered it all, really, haven't we, mate? We've, I mean, we've done about an hour talking about standby front carries and some of the bullshit, so, yeah. Yeah, just like anything, really, I would I would just say, just pre for some reason, people think there are certain events. For some, this is a common thing that I see when I speak to people. They think that you're kind of always getting better at your deadlifts and your pressing and stuff. But then, kind of, there's a lot of other events that you just have to really know how to do it, and then you're as good as you are at it, and you can't necessarily, you don't really get better at it. Well, you just and what I'm saying is that there's fucking shitloads of skill acquisition to be to be uh, to be taken, and skill acquisition just basically means free ga free gains. You don't even have to get any fucking stronger to get better. It's mad, and it doesn't cost anything from your recovery bank account, really. 
So um, get out there. There is, there is strength gains to be had in these events because strength is specific to position. So, yeah, you can get your back stronger and your lats stronger and your biceps stronger doing your gym training. But you will get them stronger in that position of holding a sandbag by actually holding a sandbag. You know, that's just how strength training works. It's very specific. If it wasn't specific, nobody would do back squats. You know, they would just be like, oh, I'll do this random exercise and then I'll peak when, when that's peaked I can peak I can just lift on my squat a max where it doesn't work like that you know what I mean you can't just deadlift and then go squat a PB unless you're like a fucking noob obviously um, and that principle if you did that principle in powerlifting people would say you're fucking crazy you know what I mean uh, just did loads of machines I'm going to get my chest really strong on the pec flies and chest press and then I'm going to go bench two yeah exactly yeah so specificity is important isn't it um and you'll notice some some carryover to other events, like a, a carryover that I've noticed recently with my own training from doing more stones, I think, recently in the last few months. Like I've gone and then I've just been training axle as my overhead mainly. I've gone back to log and my log cleans just feel fucking ridiculous. Like feel so much better. And I think from doing like all kinds of different loading, basically, because I haven't been doing much log. Um again the the kind of like practicing your sandbag is going to give you it's going to carry over to log cleans it's going to carry over to stone lifting and stuff like that yeah that position is very common isn't it like in the hip extending with weight pressed against your stomach you know log keg sandbag stones it's like a your hand position changes and stuff but the actual mechanics of like extending yeah, ex- exactly. Like, same. Like, pe- 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 you know what? I'm I'm surprised more people don't use it actually because if you think that it makes sense to a lot of people to squat and then to do a lot of people do back squat because it gets your legs strong or whatever. And then if you peel back a few more layers, it makes sense to some people to actually oh well, front squat's going to really carry over to strongman, isn't it? Because we do a lot of front loaded stuff where we squat. So taking that a little bit further, doing like an, an odd object kind of extensions or whatever, it's basically a front squat where you're coming up onto your tiptoes. Isn't that even more specific again to our sport of strongman? Um, like, I, th- I think it is. Like, I, I've had a nice like kind of phase in my head of training where I thought, you know what, I don't even want to do any squats at all but I'm going to do my deep knee flexion kind of stimulus through doing stones three times a week or whatever. And then I've come, come out of that and gone back to squatting and like I did, did squat the kind of low bar squats recently or whatever. And they were as strong as they've ever been. Do you know what I mean? I haven't went when I need to do it. It's there. Yeah. They're like a small a little adjustment period. But, but, but the thing, yeah. but the thing is like, like going to learn to do, do extend with a stone and a sandbag up onto your tiptoes and do, do the same on your lo- like it, it's going to carry over to to like your log cleans as well and all you like yeah but, but pre- basically practicing that triple extension with that odd odd object in front of you is um, very very useful for strongman whereas a lot of people when they're in that position just kind of miss out and they just kind of you know, like say when they're doing stone loading, people will just front squat it up and then lift it up with their arms. 
Whereas we've kind of talked about quite a lot about extending up, like we're talking about here and how it's very different to just front squatting it. Like we've, we've ranted about it both before, haven't we, about people on the log cleans and how many big, strong people do you see that are wasting so much energy on the cleans because they're just doing like a front squat and then kind of bicep curling it up to finish and then yeah. push press. Whereas like the video, the, you did a great video recently where you, you're promoting this triple extension coming up onto, yeah, anyway, we're fucking. How many people do you think are out there, Josh, that can chat for like nearly an hour and a half on a sandbag? Oh, oh fucking hell. <laughs> how long it's been? I don't know how long it's been, but it's past 10. Uh, Fuck's sake. Um, every time I say it's going to be a quick. Anyway, right. Yeah, well, yeah. That's why I said to you, mate, if we do five events today, I was like, I'm going to be here till 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can, can we fin- finish off with one review that I wanted to do the last Oh, yeah, time? of course. Right, so the review that we're gonna gonna do, we're gonna review the um, BTB sleeves, the stone sleeves, right? And I think these stone sleeves are absolutely fantastic. Um, you may have seen me using them on Instagram or people using them or whatever. That I just think they're absolutely phenomenal value. And if you want, if you want to get a discount, you can use the code LBSC at checkout, and I think you get, I think he said you get six quid off the order. That I, I can't remember how much they are, the stone sleeves that are custom made to your fitting. Um, I think they're about 40 quid, 40 odd quid, which is absolutely ridiculous value. And by the way, I'm not plugging this because I've got kind of sponsorship or whatever. Like I paid full price for mine and I'm happy to pay. I'd be happy to pay. I, I told the guy, um, I said to him, I said, you need to put your prices up. I said, the, the product is, is is absolutely brilliant value compared to like other stuff that's been on the market. So I, I had the, um, you've used them, Shane. What do you think? Well, my, my only experience with stone sleeves is from yours. And I'm not going to name the other brands. Well, I don't fucking know they are. But one of them was um, the, the straps were just too big. Like when I, when I got it tight, it felt okay. But then the strap was like just flopping around and sometimes it would flick into the tacky and then it gets stuck there. So when I'm lapping the stone, it's slippy because it's not on the actual, you know, part of the sleeve it's meant to be. Uh, And also the other set, I found that when I got a bit sweaty, they did start to ride into a different position and move and kind of scrunch up a bit. Whereas these ones have... Yeah, and and by the way, just to intervene, the, um, the, the other ones that we used before, the other brand... Is they were they were more expensive. They were like about I'm sure they're about sixty odd quid or something. They were. Yeah, these uh, BTB ones, the strap I was able to get them really tight so that they didn't budge even when I got sweaty, and it was. I'm assuming you said they're custom made. So it must have been a good fit for me. The the strap was like you know completely away from my forearm, so I was able to just lap the stone. I did probably. 20 stone loads that day when I used them and they didn't they didn't budge and also the main benefit for me is last time I did stones at yours Josh I ended up with, with no sleeves I ended up with a little bit of uh, fucking little bitch grazes on my forearm and then the next week I got even more and then third week in I was like fucking hell my, my arm's fucking killing that was when I went to you didn't see that actually I went to Luke Davies's gym actually um, chaos 
And I just, I did like two reps and I was like, I can't fucking do anymore because the, the three week buildup of doing stones would just maul my forearms. So when I started using the sleeves, I could, I didn't even think about them. I could just put in all that volume. There was a bit of tacky left on them from the last person who used them. So I only needed to use like a little drop of tacky and I could just jump shot in and do loads of work. So uh, of all the ones, I think, I think that's the third pair I've used and they're by far the, the best pair. Yeah, and the other thing to compare, the other one to compare it to, um, I've had uh, sure strength sleeves for maybe three years or something. Whenever he came to your Shane, Brian Shaw, yeah, whenever that, whenever that was, whatever, um, which are absolutely brilliant, by the way. And they're like, I think the leather, they cost me a hundred pounds. Um, you could probably get them from. I think you can get them imported. You, but you, they'd be more expensive, but they were. Julian Howard would probably have a fucking cupboard full of them. <laughs> but the, I've got loads of value out of them. They were, they're absolutely brilliant, and the, I've, I lent them to Luke actually. He's used them, Luke Richardson. Um, he's got them at the minute. Oh, so do the, the Brian ones fit um, fucking anyone? Yeah, they're... are they the ones with the strap that I had that were floating in the way? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. They, they, I think they were a different brand. These no. these were the the Brian Shaw ones are brilliant, but you need someone to help you put them on because you need to kind of roll into them. So for 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 someone like me who who does a lot of training by by yourself, like it, yeah, it, was, a, it was a pain in the ass. Like I, I couldn't get the Shaw strength ones tight enough. Or or actually I went to um when I did Strongman Champions League in India, I went to that comp and I didn't know anybody. And um, I went to use my stone sleeves for the stone run and um, I couldn't get them on tight enough. So then I was I w- went to like, w- like warm up and, it, and my arms were sweaty and they were just fucking rolling down. So you can't really risk that when you're going for a stone because of obviously the stone might slip, which you might fuck up or whatever. It might fuck you up, but... But but the risk of injury is just it's just not worth it. So you need so with with these BTB ones you can get them on pretty tight straight away, and then you can ju- you can just crank them up super super tight so they don't they don't move whatsoever. So for people training by themselves, they're just just absolutely brilliant. Um, and for purists out there who think what the fuck do you need stone sleeves for? Blah 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 blah. You just heard Shane there. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. You, you graze your you, your forearm skin will get will build up a tolerance to it, but what what's the what you can just slap these slap these sleeves on. So sometimes like think of it, Shane. Sometimes you you're coming in and train some events. Like are you wanting to bang loads of tacky on and then fucking clean tacky off afterwards and blah 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 blah. blah. That's the thing with me at yours at the moment. I'm doing stones, and then when I'm done with stones, within five minutes, I'm either going home or onto another event. You know, it's not, a, it's not like, it's not a ball ache at all. Yeah, that that's the point. It just saves so much time because you 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 might put, I'd put my stone sleeves on today. I've just trained stones now and um, put my stone sleeves on and I didn't even put use any tacky. There was a time, there's like the residual tacky that's already on there from the previous session. Um, so it g- gives you plenty to do like you, to, to do your session. Um and then you take them off and your forearms are completely clean. Um, so for people think that you might think 
for people out there who might think you're a little bit soft using stone sleeves or whatever, like for the record, what I would usually do is I just use stone sleeves as a training tool. And then on comp day, I just go bare arm anyway, where I don't give a fuck about getting hurt or grazed or whatever. And yeah, it goes back to, you know, even if you've built up a tolerance, I don't think you can put good volume in on a stone, a heavy stone without, with, with tacky, because it just takes one lap where you just slip a bit and then it's, you know, fucking ripped you open. And then the next rep you do, it's even more and even more. And it gets to the point where you're like, fucking hell, like all I'm thinking about now is my forearm. So I just say, if any purists are out there, I just be like, well, why the fuck are you wearing tacky then? Like, don't wear tacky. And if you don't want to wear tacky, then do your own thing, like make up your own sport. Weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and by, by the way, just to reiterate that, like I've just paid full, full price for... Um, BTB sleeves and I would happily pay I'd happily pay more um, and if anybody wants to come and try any you can come to my gym and um, and try some on and for a come for a session just slide into DMs uh, but yeah I think I think they think they're really great and phenomenal value and honestly believe that he should put his prices up Um so, and also, out, if, if anybody's listening and they've got any kind of product or whatever that they'd like to um, send to me and Shane to talk about on the podcast or review, we're, we're, we're more than happy to do that. I've got some, like, smelling salts and some tacky and some liquid chalk that we'll talk, we'll talk about in future, but literally anything to do with training or whatever. And um, if we think it's shit, we just won't talk about it. So uh, you're not like, going like, <laughs> to... Um, and we'll we'll just we'll give we'll give an honest review on here if it's good. And the thing the, th- the thing is like we, we want to use this as a platform to actually help people. And like using this um, using these like you say though people will be out there looking at stone sleeves. Yeah. And they don't, you know what I mean? They won't know what you know now because obviously I, I wouldn't know this unless I tried yours because I didn't have the your gym's a real good tool because you've just got fucking everything. Like you got four pairs of stone sleeves, eight tubs of tacky on the side. And um, you kind of learn over time, don't you? Oh, everybody's gravitating towards this tacky or everybody's uh, everybody's using these sleeves. Everybody says these. And then you just learn what the best um, shit yeah, is. Yeah, that, that's it. Like, like, yeah, exactly. Like on the windowsill, there's like fucking eight different tubs of tacky and you, you they, they all feel subtly different. And and again, it's just the, how deep do you want to go into, how do you, deep do you want to go into analysis? But there's there's so many like different tackies will be better for different temperatures and stuff like that and different brands. And you could, you could just learn, learn so much, but yeah, if, if anybody's out there who wants to um, send Shane or I some uh, equipment or whatever, or whether you want to loan it to us to review it on here or any clothing or whatever, just, um, just get in contact and we'll, because basically we, we like I said, we want to use this platform to, to, to help people and um, the stone sleeves are brilliant for like like say I've I've got like say say for instance some of the some of the women who train at my gym who love training stones and they come in now and they they, they come in and they're training log deadlift stones and farmers walks in a fucking an hour and fifteen session. So they're coming in and they're they're doing stones and they've got 10 minutes to do a stone run and build up to a stone run and do a couple of working sets. 
So they're, they're loving it because they can just bang these sleeves on that have got the, it, there's no mess that from the previous week. They're not having to go to the disgusting toilets afterwards to get all the, the baby or the WD-40 to get all the shit off. It's not an ordeal. It's just they bang the sleeves on that have got a tiny bit of tacky on and boom, they're having loads of fun and getting the benefit of using tacky and going a bit heavier on the stones than they, they usually would be. Um, so yeah, fantastic product. Um, and use code LBSC. I think he's got the code active for the next 15 people or something that use it. So get in there, get get some ordered. Right. Well, so we're going to wrap this up. Yep, yeah, done. And I'll see you tomorrow. See you later, pal. Good yeah. night. Bye-bye.